Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I will do it on a boat. I will do it in a moat. Like I will scream at you wherever <laughs> right. you happen to be. Right. Most preferably in the line at Target, but anywhere will do. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Maggie wants to go on the swing one more time. Maggie says, I don't want to go home. Like you do that and they're like, what's happening right now? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Okay, my take is that this is a gigantic topic that we could just talk about me and my emotional problems for an hour. <laughs> a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Can I hit you with some science? I want you to. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about... Self-regulation, Amy. And tantrums. Well, yeah, they're kind of related. <laughs> they are. For those people who are like, what the heck is self-regulation? They That's are a, related. We just read Charlotte's Web in my family. That's my fancy way of saying temper tantrum. <laughs> but first, I have a special shout out. I'm giving a shout out to Margaret because today oh. is the second anniversary of the What Fresh Hell podcast, this episode. What? I had no idea. Yeah. By date? Yes. Our first episode was the 16th of October, 2016, and this is coming out mid-October 2018. This is our second anniversary. We've finished two trips around the track. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I had no idea this was such a significant day. I, I forgot know. our anniversary, Amy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. What's the second anniversary? I'm so is used it paper? to paper? Second anniversary glass? First is paper. First is paper. I don't Second know. I'll get is... you something special. Yeah, right. Someday. Cubic zirconia. Yeah. Something well, lovely. This is fun. I think we're going to keep doing this 75 episodes in. It's really, it's yeah. really feeling pretty good. We're only getting started. Tell a friend, guys. Tell a friend, please. And tell us what you want to hear us talk about in the show, because we might, like this episode topic came from one of our listeners. Her name's Mira. Hi, Mira. And she said she wanted to hear about emotional regulation and tantrums. Sometimes my seven-year-old still flips out at certain consequences, cough, screen bands, cough, <laughs> and it's taking him a while to calm down. I feel like the dramatic reading should have been like, <clears throat> screen bands, <clears throat> or I thought you were an actress, Amy, come on. It's the screen bands, that's that thing. <laughs> She brought this to us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast, where we're always looking for suggestions for topics. Yes. And yes. this was a good one. Man, 
I have a nine-year-old and eight-year-old. I keep saying that because guess what? We had a birthday last week. I now have a 10-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a six-year-old. We're back to even numbers. And we are still dealing with tantrums. We're three for three still on dealing with tantrums. Guess what? What? I have a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 10-year-old, and we still have tantrums at our house. Wow. I mean, less than we used to. You make me feel better a little bit because I'm like, wait, shouldn't we be over this by now? Yes, yes, we should. And they definitely get like less frequent. A 15-year-old is not raging about what color sippy cup they have, right? But it's... Let's hope not. But there are still crises of self-regulation. And as I always like to say to myself in times when my kid is losing it and I'm like, what is going on? They're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. I'm going to tell you something that literally this week I was fretting about one of my kids and David turned to me and he's like, remember what Amy always says, though? They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. And I was like, is this the moment where I punch you in the face? Because that is such (laughs) annoying advice right now. Although it is actually true. But you were being quoted to me in a highly fraught moment and it was not appreciated. Well, it's funny you say that because as I looked sort of research for this episode, one thing that comes across is like there are things to do in the moment and there are things to do later and they are not the same thing. That's very true. Like I remember when I was giving birth an unmedicated accidental childbirth because I had a very quick labor so they weren't able to give me an epidural. (laughs) I was in the midst of it and at some point my husband, I mean it's like the oldest joke in the world, but he put his hand on my shoulder and he was like, remember your breathing honey, in, in, out, out. And I literally looked at him and I was like, I will end you. Don't speak to me again. And the nice nurse was like, here's some ice chips. Just offer her ice chips. That's your only job for the rest of the day. Because <laughs> they could tell that his side coaching was really not going to go not well helping. when I was like in full labor panic birthing. I have an expert quote about that that is actually like another way of saying the same thing. So maybe we don't even need it. But I really like this quote. Lay it on me. Dr. Stephen Dickstein from the Child Mind Institute. He says, don't talk to the kid when he's not available. Like, yes. don't talk I was to me. Not I'm not available. Right? Oh, my gosh. Right I need like a sticker for my forehead that says not available. Yeah. Because there are so many times where I'm not available for what I call helpful suggestions. Right. And neither are our kids when they're tantruming. They're literally, they're not available, right? They go somewhere else. I feel like this was supposed to be about kid tantrums, but accidentally, it's just about dealing with my tantrums. It's just about how to keep when Margaret, how to treat Margaret when she's having a <laughs> bad day. This is just an episode for my husband to listen to and realize that I have tantrums and I am not available for critique during those times. Let's reframe those tantrums as issues of self-regulation. Correct, correct. Would you like to hear what self-regulation is? Please. The Child Mind Institute says that self-regulation is the ability to manage your emotions and behavior in accordance with the demands of the situation. Demanding situation, you're not going to manage your emotions or behavior so well. But self-regulation includes being able to resist highly emotional reactions to upsetting stimuli, to calm yourself down when you get upset, to adjust to a change in expectations and handle frustration without outbursts. Yeah, I get an F on this. Well, always? No, just when there's you're in an intense situation. Y- yeah, but that happens like once a day. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Stuart Shanker wrote a book called Self-Reg. I mean, self-regulation is a big topic it's, that lots of people talk about. It's a buzzword nowadays. It's a buzzword. Dr. Shanker, he kind of makes all his work about it. And his book, Self-Reg, is really good. I'll put a link up on the show page. And he has an artist. Her name is Kristen Weems. And she takes some of his artwork and she sort of renders it into beautiful sort of, okay, now I get it, form. And I'll put this up on the show page. 
she did something that says behavior is communication and it's an iceberg oh and yeah this is good i'm looking at it this is like bad podcast fodder because we're both looking at it right right it's see, a, but... so let me describe the picture good but everybody can picture an iceberg the whole point of an iceberg is you see a little and underneath is a lot so right. the unexpected behavior they're like why is he blowing up in the middle of target about not wanting to put the star wars t-shirt back that's the unexpected behavior that's the little bit of the iceberg that's peeking up above the waters and underneath right. Beneath the waters are all of these stressors. They're really hungry. You know, they missed their nap today. Their teacher yelled at them at school, whatever. There are all kinds of reasons that they're It's 3 p.m. They're home from school. They haven't had a snack. Right, right. There are all kinds of reasons that the behavior is happening. And what a lot of experts suggest that as hard as it is in the moment to view that stress outburst behavior, which is stressful to us, as really being about something else and try to get curious about what the something else is. Okay, my take is that this is a gigantic topic that we could just talk about me and my emotional problems (laughs) for an hour, but we need to go to ages and stages. Let's start with toddlers and preschoolers and work our way up. I agree. So toddlers and preschoolers, their tantrums are frequent, unpleasant, and (laughs) in public or in private, they don't care. Like, I'll do it at church. I'll do it in my living room. I don't. Right. I will do it on a boat. I will do it in a moat. Like, I will scream (laughs) at you wherever you happen to be. Right. Most preferably in the line at Target, but anywhere will do. Anywhere will do. And we talked about this in our toddlers episode. I'll put up a link to that one, too. If you haven't listened to that one and you have a toddler, go back and listen to that one. You've got a lot to learn. A neuroscientist named Dr. Burnett said that tantrums are actually biologically necessary. You know what we love on this podcast, Amy? A biological imperative. Yeah. Much like Darwin's finches, the the tantrum is a biological necessity. No, they can't do it. It always makes me feel better when it's a biological imperative. I'm like, oh, they need to do this biologically. That makes me feel better while I'm having a child rolling around in aisle six. Right. They need to have a mechanism for getting the maximum possible attention from an adult or every adult in Target. And the way that they do it is by throwing a tantrum. Right. And it's biological imperative because they need that because in the wild during our caveman days, like the toddler needed to be able to get attention when it was in distress. Right. Because you were busy like lighting the fire and hunting a mastodon and stuff. And I think experts agree that if you're somewhere you can do so, if your kid is safe and you're not at your cousin's wedding, then the best response is to ignore. Because even negative attention, even saying, I said, stop that right now or whatever, is still a reinforcement. It's still reacting, even if it's a negative one. Yeah. Although, you know what I prefer is like the Harvey Karp rule, who's Mm -hmm. um, happiest toddler on the block. Yes. He has something called the fast food rule. Fast food rule is repeat what your irate toddler is telling you, just as the guy at the Taco Bell drive-thru repeats your order to confirm that he's got it right. So it's like, I'm... Everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. That's what you're telling me. It's like the ignore thing sometimes feels wrong to me. Like I prefer the thing of like acknowledge the emotion and then say we can fix it. Or if this tantrum is out of control, then I do. We have a rule in our house, no tantrums downstairs. Oh, yeah. Hard and fast rule in our house. Yeah, I was going to save that for the older kids. But yeah, tantrums upstairs. Oh, it applies at every age and stage. We're still doing it with the 10-year-olds. Well, like a two-year-old can't be sent to their room to tantrum because they're maybe not safe, but a five-year-old could. Yes. And even a two-year-old probably. Maybe a two-year-old could. I've done this Harvey Karp rule. Get upstairs. The Harvey Karp rule is hilarious because the kids are sort of like, wait, what are you doing? Which is kind of all you need. I'm not even sure if it's effective, but it certainly confuses them, which is kind of all you need. Someone told me a long time ago that with a baby crying, you blow in their face and it like breaks the fire line. You know, they get so confused for a second. They're like, what? And then maybe they're like, they forgot that they were upset about. Kind of the same theory. Yeah, yeah. I've done it with my kids. Like, I want. And you're like, oh, you're mad. Maggie, 
wants to go on the swing one more time. Maggie doesn't want to leave the playground. Maggie says, I don't want to go home. Like, you do that. And they're like, what's happening right now? And it, it is effective because they're like, yeah, that is what I'm saying. Okay, I've been heard. I guess it spends it a little sooner. Well, and I do think it helps to start formulating words with this age group. I can see you are really frustrated. And we keep moving towards, I am really frustrated, as opposed to, I am going to like fall down and kick toys. Yeah, I mean, I guess the reason that tantrums happen, you know, every 15 minutes with kids these age is that things they want to express outstrip their ability to express them verbally, right? So they can express them with... Absolutely. And as someone who has a child with a language delay, kids who have language delays, tantrums tend to go on a little longer with them because it is the frustration of like, I have trouble expressing my needs in a verbal way. And so it is more frustrating to not be able to say like, hey, I had a bad day. I mean, I can now as an adult occasionally say, listen, honey, I'm going into the bedroom with my laptop and two Real Housewives episodes. Don't come talk to me. I need some downtime. I got to get out of the situation. My 10, 8, and 6-year-olds, none of them really have that ability. But my 10-year-old, who was my worst tantrumer and did struggle with language, the older he's gotten, the more self-regulated he's gotten. And I think a lot of it is just constantly reinforcing. I talked on another episode, but like my lead language with him was always, can we make a deal? That was my always starting point when he was really struggling. It's like, hey, can we make a deal? I can tell you want that ice cream. Let's look and make sure we have all the pieces of it. And then right after dinner, you can have an ice cream cone. Like, hey, can we make a deal? We can go where you want to go. And just the language of like, sometimes we do what I want to do. Sometimes we do what you want to Like, listen, there's a way to approach me where we can make a deal. We can make this work. And now as a 10-year-old, he often comes to me and he's like, mom, can we make a deal? (laughs) It's working, you know? It worked. He really has found better language. He has a low frustration point, a little bit of a verbal delay. And so those combinations make it pretty volatile sometimes. And we have worked through a lot of tantrums by starting at the toddler phase with We don't tantrum downstairs. I'm going to help you find language for what you're feeling. And can we make a deal? That dovetails with, I read something interesting that a psychologist named Dr. Matthew Rouse wrote about helping young kids with tantrums. And it's kind of going with what you're saying. It's like, help them, but not too much. Don't work overtime to soothe them. I mean, sometimes a kid who's like, <laughs> just needs the rocking chair and you and their blankie, right? Yeah. I'm not saying never do that, but he does say little children look to their parents like, help me, I'm overheating here, right? I'm in meltdown mode. I don't know what to do. You need to show them what to do. But if they learn to outsource their regulation to you, then that becomes a habit. Absolutely. And I will go back to my touchstone advice of my mom's. You cannot address anything but behavior. So if the tantrum is like I'm punching and hitting someone, that kid needs to be removed from the situation. That behavior is unacceptable, but it's okay to feel the feeling. It's not okay to behave this way. That's the distinction you're trying to draw from them. You must be so frustrated that you dropped that ice cream cone. What a terrible feeling. You cannot kick me in the face because you dropped your ice cream cone. And maybe we can make a deal where if you can calm yourself down and get yourself together, we can go back and get another ice cream cone or we'll make a date to get ice cream later in the week because that was really disappointing. Like the behavior is unacceptable, 
the feeling is real and maybe there's some way to make a deal. Right. And some flexibility from the parent. I just was following this mother and her kid down the street the other day in New York City and he was a two-year-old. It was raining. I mean, it wasn't monsooning. It was raining. He wanted to hold the umbrella and the mother was just yelling. I'm like, you can't hold the umbrella. I'm going to get wet. Like, I hold the umbrella. Like, And they just were in the middle of the street with this kid just having a meltdown and both of them getting wet while they fought over who held the umbrella. And I just thought, like, lady, come on, like, just duck into a store, get undercover and be like, okay, how are we going to do this? We're both going to get wet. Hmm, let's make a deal, as you would say. Why don't, mm-hmm. why don't you hold it for two minutes and then I'll hold it for whatever. Her yelling at him for having a meltdown over something silly, guess what, was not helping it. It was just ramping right. up. And, and we've ramping all ramping done up. it. Like, you're in the end of a long day. It's raining. You're getting wet. Everyone's frustrated. It's hard in those moments. That's the thing of, like, what did it say? Not available sound in my forehead. Right. Like, my husband being like, remember Amy's great advice. I'm like, how about instead I just push you out of this moving car? (laughs) Like, it's not easy when you're in those really fraught moments. I did it just myself the other day. I was yelling at my kid and we were just having a long bad day. We were over at friends and he was like, just eating pizza by shoving whole pieces of pizza in his mouth. And I was like, oh, that's disgusting. Stop. And I was like, what a thing to say to my kid, you know, in front of like all these people. But sometimes you lose it. That's going to happen. You're going to have bad moments where you're just like screaming at your two-year-old over umbrella on a rainy day. Like that is going to happen to everybody. But these overall takeaways, I think, are really important when dealing with toddlers. Then we're going to need to start dealing with older kids and grade schoolers. And we're going to talk about that right after this break. And now, practicing self-care before kids versus practicing self-care after kids from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Before kids. I'm going to luxuriate in a nice hot bubble bath and let all of my cares just soak away. After kids. I'm going to let the kids play age-inappropriate video games for 20 minutes and let myself shave at least one of my legs in the shower. Before kids. I'm going to take some time out to make a nice healthy meal for myself and enjoy it sitting on the patio in communion with nature. After kids. I'm going to move this leftover mac and cheese to a plate instead of eating it straight out of the pan. Before kids. Spa day. Some hot stones should really relax my lower back. After kids. I'm going to allow myself four very deep breaths after letting the kids out of the drop-off line. Before kids. One facial serum for day, two facial serums for night. After kids. I'm just going to clean my face off with this nearby baby wipe. Before kids. I've bought this sunrise alarm clock to gently wake me without disrupting my sleep cycle. After kids. I've produced three humans who shriek at me for breakfast starting at 6.15 a.m. Before kids. I need to get to the beach and sit in the sand and soak up some sun. It's so restorative. After kids. The beach? Are you serious? We're not going to the beach. I'd have to be insane. This has been Practicing Self-Care Before Kids versus Practicing Self-Care After Kids from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So I like to think of the grade school phase as the, oh my God, why is this still happening phase? Yeah. Because you're like, isn't this supposed to be over? Isn't this supposed to be over by now? Understood.org does say by the time kids are eight or nine, they've most of the time learned to handle their strong emotions. They have language skills. They've learned to negotiate. And so it's not happening. Yeah. Come on over to my house, (laughs) understood.com and see how that's working out. This is the stage where, as we've discussed, they save all the best stuff for us. We just talked about after school restraint collapse a couple of weeks ago, and that's what this is. They can hold it together in church or at ballet class, and then they come home and and it all just comes apart at the seams. Right. And I will say tantrums have gotten immensely better. We're not really dealing with full tantrums, but yeah, we're still having some tantrums. What we talked about recently, after school, throw the steak to the bear. Like the big snack as soon as everyone walks in the door. My new snack tip, plate of like finger sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly or like whatever, ham sandwiches, finger sandwich style on a big tray and then a thing of fruit. Like it's solid snack. It's not three cookies. Yeah. That's been helping a lot. I just forgot, you know, it's back to school again. And suddenly I'm like, oh, that's right. Three kids come in. I have one kid who just is not a tantrumer, never has been. She's just like a ray of sunshine human. And she's always like, I had another great day. Like she's easy. But my two boys, if I don't feed them as soon as they come in, then about five o'clock, we start to get the random, like he touched me. It was my turn tantrums. Yeah. This is one of those things where you get lazy and you tend to find, you know, some broken chocolate chip cookies from six months ago at the back of the pantry, but you really need to have more food around, healthy food. And if you put it out, they'll eat it. I put a bowl of grapes out yesterday in front of my son and his friend who are playing a card game and they ate him. Yeah. It was like a quiet place where the aliens come and they just like... (laughs) 
they're not there and then they're there and it's eaten. It was like that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. No problem. So let's go back to the iceberg metaphor, right? When this happens, when they're like, he hit me, he touched me, you're doing the right thing, which is to question this unexpected behavior. Maybe it's not so unexpected once you go to see the pattern. Why is this happening? Why now? It's happening at five o'clock because they are having after school restraint collapse because they didn't eat today. There's usually a reason, a trigger. So Dr. Dr. Schenker says you got to look for your patterns. You have to look how your child is telling you or telling others through their body and their speech that their stress is too great. And once you see the pattern and once you understand the trigger, then you can start to head them off at the pass or even better, teach your kid to head them off at the pass. I'll tell my kids sometimes, go take Marshmallow to your room. We have a little nine pound dog who has, you know, endless, boundless. Oh, Amy, all of our listeners know about beloved you Marshmallow. You guys know Marshy. Uh, but anyway, all she wants to do is love you and be petted by you. Like she's got a lot of bandwidth for that. And guess what? It really helps no matter how mad they are. I mean, they might stomp up to their room carrying her under their arm, but they pet the dog, they calm down. And having that available to them, me saying, why don't you go do that? I know you'll feel better. It means sometimes they will do that when they're having a bad afternoon without me having to suggest it. Just like your son, they start to say, oh, this is something. Geez, I kind of do feel better. Hmm. Yeah. And I think one key thing with that is I try really hard. I'll go back to my favorite. I know you guys have heard about it a lot. The whiteboard. Like I am big at this age with my kids right now, six, eight and 10. I find it extremely important to limit surprises as much as possible. Yeah. So like my kids have just started CCD again. CCD is Catholic after school religious education. It's kind of a drag. It's not that fun. All my kids have to do it. I, on the first day of CCD, did not realize it was the first day of CCD, sent them off in the morning, and then I'm like, oh no, I need to meet them at school at three o'clock where they're playing with their friends on the playground, and I need to break it to them that they have to stop playing with their friends. They're not coming home to watch screens. They're going to CCD. And you can imagine that did not go very well. This week, predict that, yeah. CCD is Thursdays. I've already started priming that pump. On Monday, I'm like, don't forget it, CCD on Thursday. <laughs> Every day this week, I will remind them CCD on Thursday. <laughs> Off to so the gallows by with Thursday, you. Yeah, you're like, sorry, you're going. Three more days. The countdown is on. But, and CCD involves, you know, we've started involving, like, you get a donut as your snack for CCD. Like, find some ways to make it a little more appealing. Eat your donut, and then you're ready to go to CCD. It's not a surprise. So Dr. Vasco Lopez, also from the Child Mind Institute, says that kids who have frequent meltdowns, most of them are doing it in situations that are actually very predictable, which helps us, right? It makes it a little bit less, why are they doing this? If you start to see them as predictable and follow the patterns, this makes sense to me. It really does. And for school-age kids, he's like, it's two things. The triggers are two things. Either you're making them do something they don't want to do or making them stop doing something they really do enjoy doing. And CCD is both, right? Stop yes, it's playing a, with it's your a friends. Double whammy. <laughs> and come learn about the Lord. Yeah, so so it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's a twofer. So maybe that does need a three-day wind-up. Yeah, and this is why the whiteboard system, and I've fallen away from it because I'm lazy and I'm getting back to it today. The whiteboard lists our nightly schedule and it really helps, especially my high-anxiety guy who's a little more tantrum-prone. Like, 
if it's CCD, it's on the whiteboard the morning of. So you see it, you know you're going. Then you know when you come home from CCD, you have 45 minutes of free time. That can involve screens if you want. That's your time. Then you get break time, play time, like physical outdoor time. Then you have an hour of homework time. Then for dinner, we're having chicken cheese bread. Then after that, we're going to read a chapter of Harry Potter together. Then after that, it's free time, then it's bedtime. Like I write the entire day out and it really helps. Again, it's just prime in the pump, no surprises. I have a follow-up question. Yes. What's chicken cheese bread? It's a great recipe. What is it's that? chicken, broccoli, and cheese wrapped up in Pillsbury dough. So it's like a bread log filled with chicken, broccoli, and cheese. All my kids eat it. Uh, can you give me the recipe and I'll put that up on our show yeah. page? Chicken cheese bread. Why are we not all always eating chicken cheese bread? It's delish. It's got a ton of broccoli in it. They can't pick around it and it's easy peasy. It tends to be, I will say, I teach on Monday nights and so that tends to be my husband's go-to dinner because he just has to, little rotisserie chicken, little broccoli, little cheese, wrap it in Pillsbury dough, you're done with dinner. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's really good. You can also do it with like pepperoni, marinara, and mozzarella, cheese, pizza bread. Uh, I love the yeah. all-in-one bread. Calzone It's like a variation. calzone. Yeah. You just throw some veggies in it and they can't pick them out and you're done for the night. So my school-aged kids, all three of them, when they were this sort of grade school age, the thing, it wouldn't even be a tantrum so much as the like, <laughs> I have too much homework. I don't know how to do it. Like I'm terrible at math. Like they fall apart while they're doing homework. Right. I'm dumb. I don't know anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, so and awful. I read something interesting about this doctor going back to Dr. Rouse. He has says that you have to be careful in that. So like my daughter, she wants to do homework, you know, somewhere where I'm close by. And my boys were both the same way at her age. They're like, but I want to be down here in case I have questions. I'm like, you need to go to your room. And like, we fight about that. She wants you there as a touchstone. But he said, says, if you're too much of that, if you're too much of the source of self-regulation for your kid around homework or whatever the thing is they don't want to be doing, then when they get frustrated by it, who do they take it out on? Stupid mom, right? I just was dealing with this last night. It's your fault, right? The science fair, note cards, like the tears and like, why are you such an idiot, mom? Like it it comes out of- You're like, why am I catching shrapnel on this don't Right, exactly. I'm just, you know, nearby. But yeah, they're blaming it on you because they're feeling frustrated and you're standing right there. He's saying it doesn't really- help them, they start to feel like you're the source of the frustration. If only you wouldn't make them do homework as if it were optional, then everything would be fine. And so you need to remove yourself from the situation a little bit more so they take on the regulation rule themselves. Or you put the impersonal arbiter in the middle, which for me is the whiteboard. I often say stuff like, okay, Google, and this is going to set off people's Google and they go crazy. (laughs) I say, you know what? put 10 minutes. And I'm like, guys, I bet you can do this worksheet in 10 minutes. You do it. When the alarm comes back, I'll come back and check it. Like, it's not about me helping you with your homework. It's about me facilitating your relationship with your homework. I've been trying that right now. And that just sends them in like, no, no timer. So it depends. Yeah, it depends the on timer the kid, can but, be awkward. But, too. The, um, but I do agree with finding the correct impartial arbiter that's an object and not mom as a solution. It's a good, and just it's a always good like helping them shape the story of like, wow, you must be really frustrated. Wow, that must be frustrating for you trying to help them find the story for themselves of like, you know what? Homework is just a review of what you did during the day. Let's try it. If you're struggling with it, just tell the teacher tomorrow you need more help with it. Like helping them to tell the story of, I can see you're really frustrated by this, but look at the context. It's not that big a deal. You know, my eight-year-old, third grader, he was forgetting his homework every day. He's very disorganized. And God, as my grandmother Conroe used to say, he didn't lick it off the sticks and stones. He gets it directly from me, very disorganized. He would forget his homework. And then every night he would be crying and upset. I'm going to be in trouble. You have to come with me, tell the teacher 
teacher. And I'm like, I'll just email your teacher. And I just emailed the teacher and I said, listen, this guy's having a lot of trouble remembering his homework. Is there a system that you and I can help him design? And then I went to back to school night and like very cute on his desk was a little like nightly checklist. And he has to check it every day. And he has to like put a little post-it every day to say, yes, I put my homework in my folder. Yes, I remember my sweatshirt, you know. And workarounds are fine for kids who are struggling with stuff. But it's not, I'm going to go to school every day and put your homework in your backpack for you. Yeah. I'm going to help you figure this system out because I can tell you're frustrated. And in the meanwhile, your behavior is unacceptable. Stop calling me an idiot. Uh, Well, (laughs) that is kind of what I would like to say to my teens when they're having meltdowns. Yes, it happens. But we'll talk about what you actually are supposed to do right after this. I'm frightened for this one because I don't have teens yet. I'm scared. Get ready. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Oh, Amy, I guess we have to talk about teenagers. Teens I, my teens. whole My whole attitude towards teenagers is like, the less I know, the better. I don't want to know. So do teens tantrum? No, but they do have sort of really outsized emotional reactions out of nowhere. I will say my 10-year-old, 
he must have seen a movie or something and he somehow has picked up that door slamming is a thing like i can tell he's doing it very theatrically like when he gets mad he like stomps up to his bedroom and slams his door really hard we have pocket doors on the bedrooms in our apartment so my kids will be like i wish i you know i didn't even live here dun 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 slide yeah (laughs) it's not as sad it's like i'm gonna hang up on you by pressing this red button like it's not as fun like in the oldie locks alert guys back in my day in the olden days you could slam the phone receiver down on someone and it felt so good it was like and i'm done with you and now you're like and i'm hold on let me find the button okay i turn (laughs) you off like it's totally we've lost so much from that if you slide a sliding door too hard it just opens back up that is and then that's like so embarrassing if you have to close it again one of our readers wrote to us on facebook at some point that they took the door off their teenager's bedroom because they just didn't want to deal with the slamming anymore and they were like oh here's the solution i just took the hinges off and pulled the door right off wow so the thing about tantrums with teens or just emotional meltdowns is that they are definitely less common but they're also less predictable like we were just talking mm. about how like an eight-year-old, like make sure you have the cheese sticks and apples cut up ready to go as soon as they walk in. I mean, you can do that for a teenager too, but sometimes when they're like, nobody understands me, it just comes, it comes out of You're like, nowhere. And the things that they're struggling with are not math homework. It's like the girl broke up with them or whatever. The things you don't know about and you aren't mm. supposed to know about. Yeah. And they're the last person they're going to tell. So it's all a little bit harder to deal with. And when they kind of blow up, you're sort of like, what? just happened my brother used to describe one of his kids and be like they're basically tahiti it's a sunny beautiful paradise and then the storms come <laughs> and it's like that's it like you, you have these like completely rational people and the other thing is like i found with dealing with my nieces and nephews they're so tall and they look like human beings and so then when they occasionally like break into that like very childlike really tantrumy kind of phase it's so shocking. You're like, oh, that's right. You're 16. You're not 35. Right. Right. They exactly. seem so you're reasonable. Me, but you're and a then child. suddenly, like, boom, in comes the storm. Can I hit you with some science? I want you to. <laughs> you're always I ready. demand it. So. Dr. David Walsh, he's the author of a book called Why Do They Act This Way, which I haven't read yet, but sounds like a good book. He explains that we were like, what's going on? Are they misinterpreting something? Are they trying to drive me crazy? That what's happening is that their prefrontal cortex, a teenager's, which is the center of moderation and impulse control and understanding long-term consequences, that's under construction. Mm. That's still being built. And their hormones, which are like what puts the pedal to the metal, are raised. Aging. He says the brakes are on back order and the accelerator is, is <laughs> that's a good prime. metaphor. Yeah, they're in prime working condition. Once and so, again, our metaphors are really serving us. Yeah. The iceberg and the accelerator. So I like this. And the other thing is we adults read situations, read other people's intent. We use our prefrontal cortex. They just go with their gut. And so when sometimes they blow up at you like, that's not what I said at all. That's not what they meant. And they have sort of strange reactions. It's because they are trying to react with a prefrontal cortex that they just don't have. I also think it is because, and I see this already with my tweens, they are acting out a developmentally appropriate relationship with you, which is like cleaving from the parent, basically. That's true. Like, right. That a 10-year-old, like my son, I can almost see it in his eyes sometimes, whereas I'm like, that's inappropriate, don't do that, that's against the rules. He is just entering the phase where like he looks at me with like startled deer eyes and he's like, why? 
why is it inappropriate? What does that mean? Like, I am no longer the overarching Zeus figure where it's like, what she says goes, mom knows everything. Mom is God of my world. He's like starting to like throw rocks at the heavens and be like, wait a minute, what if God is wrong? (laughs) And it's horrible. (laughs) The mom says, yeah, explanation is not enough for them anymore. I think this is one thing to remember about teenagers. And I had a horrifying set of teenage years and like if the old joke of like the curse is that you get the kids that you were to your own parents I am hosed because I was a horrible teenager and just like I found every thought and value that my parents had like skin crawlingly offensive like you guys are such idiots like I was like a 60s teenager I was like that's just because you guys are beholden to the man. Like I had had a revelation that like the world, my parents' boring, like rule-laden world was just nonsense, man. Like I had seen the light and I just was so obnoxious. Mm -hmm. Horrible. There probably were some patterns around that, even for teenagers, ones that you weren't maybe aware of as a, you know, 15, 16 year old, but it was usually around test time or it was usually Mm. after you broke up with a boyfriend or whatever, like other stuff is going on. And we've also talked about like birth order. Mm -hmm. And I had two older siblings who were like pretty much perfect children, like straight A's, Ivy League colleges, like head of student council, Phi Beta everything. And I was sort of like, my identity can't be that. So my identity will be like, this is all nonsense, the stuff you guys care about. So the trick is, and not that I have the answers to this, but the struggle is to not- I thought you did. Why are you hosting a podcast? Well, have the answers. I got a good metaphor for you. But the, you know, the struggle is in these situations when they're like yelling at you out of nowhere for something you didn't actually do or think or say, you know, like, where is this even coming from? And you can't talk to me like that, like to not get sucked into the emotion and respond in kind. Ugh, this is the $64,000 piece of advice, like not getting sucked in. I remember at some point my nieces were out visiting me and they were the sweetest kids in the world, but they were like 11 and 13 or something. And they were fighting like crazy. And I, of course, had done the thing of like, you know, I was living in LA and didn't have a ton of money and I was going to host them for the week. And I bought tickets to Universal with money I didn't have. And oh, I was going to spend all this money and show them a great time. And I might convertible, we were going to drive around it. And they were teenagers, you know, they were kind of like frowny and pouty about some of it. And they would get tired and be like, this is dumb. And I was like, I will convince you. You need to show me some gratitude. Like I went crazy. And my then boyfriend, now husband, part of the reason I married him, he literally put his hands on my shoulders and he was like, stop engaging with the tweens. Mm -hmm. Like they have the emotional maturity of a 13 year old. You have the emotional maturity of a 37 year old. Like stop engaging with them. It's not a winnable battle. You're making yourself crazy. And they're going to blame it on you. And they're going to be like, what is mom so mad about? As we have all experienced. But you can then go back and address the behavior and be like, you know what, guys, if you keep speaking rudely to me, we are going to leave. Sure. The behavior is unacceptable. But why are you acting like this? Don't you see gratitude? Show me some respect. That stuff you got to take out of it. And you just got to boil it down to be like, you are not allowed to speak to me like that. Why don't you step out of the kitchen until you can speak respectfully? I understand that you're frustrated, but that behavior is unacceptable. Can I give you a metaphor? You can. I love a metaphor. Dr. David Walsh, you're going to like this one. He says, if you feel your blood pressure rising, you take a deep breath and you say to yourself, when you feel like taking the wind out of his sails, it's a better idea to take your sails out of his wind. Hmm. Let me think just, about it for I a know, minute. I know, I had to think about that. I gotta get, yeah. but this isn't our marathon metaphor. This is a little more complicated. You, you feel can't like stop taking his... the wind out of his sails, 
take your sails out of his wind. I'm you can't it. stop his wind. Like, stop that wind. No, you can't stop the wind, but you can put your own sails down. Amy, that is a solid metaphor right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I like it. That's right. That's exactly it. And that's for older kids, right? Mm, I don't think it's only for older kids. Well, I feel like it's only for older kids that you're like, why are you doing this? Well, that's not true. Sometimes you do get into that with your two-year-old. Like, oh, I've done it. I just did it with my 10-year-old. Like, stop eating your, that disgusting thing. uh, And I'm like screaming at him. And it's like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be in charge here. Mm -hmm. Horrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Take your sails down. What do they call that? Tack your sails? Don't jib your scale? See, here's Only the thing. Only my brother-in-law is a sailor. He would know this term. <laughs> trim. Trim your sails. That's what it's called. Trim, trim your sails. your sails. Trim your own sails. And then Hashtag your sails trim. trim your sails, guys. Say, go trim your sails upstairs in your room and don't slide the sliding door too hard because then it'll... <laughs> Just open again. <laughs> Just open again. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. You know, that is a definite go-to in our house is like, this behavior is definitely not allowed at the dining room table. If you're going to act like this, you'll have to excuse yourself when you're ready to act correctly. Return to us. I mean, I've talked about the hearth. Like, we keep the hearth. You're welcome at the hearth. But if you have behavior that is incompatible with being at the hearth, you have to step away. Yeah. But we're here. We're still going to be here. We're tending it. It'll always be here. But you have to step out of my kitchen. You're out of my dining room. You're in your room. You're not in downstairs. If we're playing a game and you're too frustrated, step away from the game. Your behavior is unacceptable. I understand why you're frustrated, but you may not return until your behavior is correct. And when they're old enough to go off by themselves, they might be yelling in their room. Fine. They might be, you know, punching pillows. That's fine. And then they come back downstairs. They're a little bit calmer. Their I am unavailable light is now off. And then maybe you can have a discussion about you can't do that while I'm on the phone, right? You can't, you can't well, do that I about Macklemark every night. I try when they come back into the room, and this has been something of a learning for me. I find when they come back into the room, it's bad to lead with like, do you see why what you did was absolutely, wrong? Absolutely. When they come back into the room, how you feeling? Are you feeling better? Good. All right, I'm glad. Now that you're calm, come join us again. Like if you start to re-engage with like, do you understand why that's unacceptable? And this is a real problem for me. And it's a real problem for my husband. And both of us have this problem. And my son, now my 10-year-old is often like, can we stop talking about this? And he's not wrong. Like if he does something, I'm like, wait, you have to understand that you can't act like that. But I've made the condition that like you can come back when you behave correctly. And then if he comes back behaving correctly and I re-up the conversation about what he did wrong, that's the wrong call. That's the wrong call. You can't talk about it while they're raging and you can't talk about it five minutes after they stop raging. No, you have to choose a very disengaged moment because the goal is the calm, right? The goal is the regulation. So don't mess up the regulation and calm that has finally just occurred. And when they're older, I don't even do that. I don't even do like, how you feeling? Are you feeling better? They do not... Right. Look at happy fun ball. Do not engage. Right. (laughs) Right. And so they come back downstairs and, you know, with teenagers, they'll be like, mom, do you know where my cleats are? Oh, yeah. Let me help you grab those. Sweet as molasses. Yeah. And then and then. Right. If you're pleasant, then I'm pleasant. If you're regulated, then I'm regulated. See how easy that is. Right. Don't reengage with the thing until it's well in the rearview mirror. Well, I teach a lot and I teach public speaking and improv and all sorts of stuff. And I've found that even in teaching that like you run an exercise and there's a temptation to be like, did you see what we learned there? It's like trust that the learning happened and you can keep moving. Wow. You don't have to always go back and be like, let's put a fine point on what we all learned. Like, it's okay. The learning happened and the learning is going to happen again. And you're not going to convince somebody to say like, God, that time you ran into the street, you can't do that. I understand you have this anxiety where it's like, I need to convince you. You may never let go of my hand in a parking lot again. 
you're not going to get there by saying it 20 times. You're going to get there by regulating the behavior very strongly and doing that every single time. Yeah. We solved Man, it. Man, we solved this one, Amy. <laughs> Slam down the gavel. We solved it. We want to hear how you guys are dealing with tantrums with all the ages and stages at your house. There's a lot of ways you can tell us. You can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash whatfreshhellcast. And that's where we got our original idea for this episode from Mira. So Thanks, like, Mira. keep them coming. You can also find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. We're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast as well. And we're going to put up links to all the studies and all the ideas and the picture of the iceberg and all that will be on our show page for this episode. You can find that on whatfreshhellpodcast.com. And I just want to close with this one last thought because I think it's so great. Ross Green, kids do well if they can. And yep. I feel like that's a great thought to leave on. Like your kids want to do well generally. They really want to. Let them do well with all these tips and then remember that kids do well if they can. And I'm going to leave you with that thought. I'm going to go off with my sales tact. and Tack those sales. Trim those sales. Yes. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 